we like to imagine that were everyone sufficiently rational, human beings could agree on everything, reach shared, agreed objectives, and make the world a kind of paradise. It comes as something of a shock to realise that this is not so. As Sir Isaiah Berlin points out repeatedly, and particularly at the end of an essay on positive and negative understandings of liberty, the sum of all human goods, objectives, desires, is not compatible, or at least creates a set of things that cannot all exist. Therefore, we have a choice. And the choice that we have is over which system of rationality we will spend our lives. Not, of course, that we need to spend all our lives in the same one. But at any given time, in order to reason, in order to function, in order to draw conclusions and therefore make decisions about what to do, we have to presuppose some system that makes sense of the world. As I've been saying in this series of podcasts, the trouble is that the sense that we make of the world is very often not optimal. And it's very difficult in advance of trying a system to know whether it could be optimal. Instead, we have to experiment. We have to try different systems. We have to try choices that involve different goods and values. And then we have to see what follows from them if we pursue them rationally. See, if you like, what kind of a person it makes each of us into or our choices make each of us into and what kind of a world we end up in. But that is a cyclical process because the choices that we make initially are not themselves rational choices. They are, as David Hume pointed out, choices based upon our passions and our passions upon our prior human constitutions who we are and the kind of society and culture in which we live. So, for example, the current propensity for us to criticise our ancestors for their values as being misogynistic, slave-owning, exploitative, imperialistic, you name it, what we're saying is that the choices that they made aren't the choices that we want to make. But there's always going to be that capacity for criticism of others, and we do it between cultures now. We do it between people now. We do it between tribes and political parties. We do it between, between sporting events and nations and football teams and cricket teams and tennis players and musicians and artists. 
we're always saying, I like the choices I make, I don't like the choices you've made. And that's because the whole of human life is shot through with choices of goods and values. And if you're asking yourself, well, what do we, what do we mean by goods in this sense? I mean by goods, the things for which we aim. And by values, I mean the means we are ready to employ in order to get them. And I'll come back to that in the second half of this episode. We commonly say, we commonly say, he who wills the end must will the means. But it isn't true. There are many ends that we might think desirable that are inaccessible other than by employing means that are anathema, abhorrent. That's the difference between goods and values. The goods the things we think good, the things we think worthy of our aspiration and our effort, the goals, if you like, to which we are aspiring to move and to achieve, those goods can be achieved by many means. But the means whereby we achieve them must be subject to our values because our values would say that if we achieve a, an apparently desirable good by a means that is dehumanizing and abhorrent, then that is not satisfactory. If we cannot see another way to achieve the good, then we should abandon it. And conversely, you could use all sorts of means to achieve things that are not perceived generally to be good. That would be the approach where you use apparently, what's the word, apparently humane, apparently reasonable and legal and justifiable methods to achieve something that is abhorrent. So the choices that we make about our goods and values are the choices we make about our ends and the methods we are ready to pursue, to entertain, to engage with in order to achieve our ends. And that we choose all of these strikes some people as, well, disappointing to say the least, unfortunate to say more and perhaps even not true if you are of the mindset that thinks that we can have everything if we are only rational enough. But we can't because our rationality depends upon the sets of goods and values that we choose, the things that we think worthwhile. So everything hinges on what we think worthwhile and what we think acceptable as a means to achieve the things that we think worthwhile. That means that even if we think that we might, for example, win the World Cup by cheating, 
we shouldn't win the World Cup because cheating isn't a value that we endorse. Or if we think that we will play so well, but in order to achieve something that is not worthwhile, then we shouldn't play. There is an enormous amount to be said about means and ends. And the remarks that we made in an episode or two ago when we were talking about Plato's Gorgias, where Polus thinks that the power to do what you like is what makes you happy. Socrates says the power to do what you like gives you the power to will the means but it doesn't give you the power to will the ends. And, for example, the whole point of the abhorrent war that Putin is currently waging in the Ukraine is that he does have the power to will the means, but he does not have the power to will the ends. And he never will have, because there are those who will oppose him in that ambition, even though it costs them their lives. These two sides have two different choices of goods and values. With Socrates and against Polis, the argument is that you can have as much power as you like to will the means, but it is only if you engage the minds, the spirits, the ambitions, the aspirations of an entire population that you can will the ends. Thank you for listening.